We honor you. We worship you. We praise you. We declare you are worthy. You are holy. You are mighty. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for your joy, for your peace. Lord, I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. A byproduct of a relationship with you is love. It's the fruit of your Spirit dwelling in us. I just thank you, Father. I just pray that everyone here just receives receives from your spirit. Whatever they need, they would just receive. Receive from your spirit. Whatever it is that they need. Joy, peace, freedom, hope. We just worship you, God. You are worthy. You are holy. You are mighty, and there is no one like you. There is no one like our God. We worship you, Lord. 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 Ah, <laughs> uh, he's good. He's good. He's good. Amen. Amen. I love his presence. In his presence is doubt and despair. <laughs> In his presence is worry and grief. Is that what it says? Of course not. And I'm saying it some of you are like, what? I'm saying it on purpose after experiencing his love, his peace. And I hope you did this morning. I certainly have experienced his love and his joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence, there is life. In his presence, there is peace. We don't have to be afraid. It says, come boldly. And I'm not going to preach today, but I just want to share a couple things that, that may help someone. There's this idea in church, and it's a spirit of religion that tries to convince us that in some way, shape, or form, our ability to approach our Father is based on our performance. That is a spirit of religion. I want to tell you the good news. It has nothing to do with who you are, what you have, and what you have and have not done it has everything to do with who he is, what he has, and what he has done. The only times that we mess up as Christians, I know most of you in here, so I'm going to call us Christians in here, amen, Christ-like ones, disciples, disciplined followers. The only way we mess up is when we start trying to make it about us and not about him. We forget it's all about what he did and who he is and who we are in him. Our part is in him. We're in Christ. And what happens when we try to approach him according to our works and our actions, or we're afraid to approach him because of our works and actions, right? That's when we actually, I know, just bear with me for a minute. This doesn't happen spiritually. But if you will, we kind of step out in our thinking and our understanding and we come out of Christ. In your spirit, you're sealed. I don't want to freak anybody out. You're not, you're not saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost, saved. You, you believe in Jesus. You are born again. Amen. You were dead spiritually. He resurrected you and breathed new life into you. And sin cannot kill the living spirit that has been breathed into you by God. So do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about lost, saved, lost, saved. I'm talking about if you believe in Jesus, your salvation is secure. But, but the way you view him determines how you approach him. And how you approach him determines how you walk in him. So if you get in the mix somewhere and you go, oh, no, I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm too good. <laughs> Some people do that. If you're in Christ, what you do in your understanding is you step out. And then we try to operate outside of Christ 
outside of his covenant, outside of his rules, outside of his kingdom, outside of his principles, in our own thinking. And then that's when we, we begin to experience fear and doubt and stress and worry and strife and everything. I don't want to name all the bad, right? We know the bad. We don't need somebody up here naming the bad. But when we can get our minds back on him, we're back in Christ. And you understand what I'm saying. You never left. You remain in Christ. But then your, your thinking begins to line up with the reality of who you are in Christ. And then you can agree when you set your mind on the things above. You can begin to release the things of the Spirit into your life. The mind set on the flesh is death. When you step over here in your own thinking, your mind is set on your flesh. And it can bring nothing to you but death. But when we renew our thinking and get back on our minds on Christ and say, it doesn't matter about that stupid thing I did. It has no effect on my relationship with you because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. I have an unshakable, unmovable covenant, covenant, and no one, even myself, cannot be removed from your right hand. When we renew our thinking and we get back in Christ, then the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. The reason, this is like, this is getting, I've said this before, but this is deep. You ready for something really deep? I'll save you thousands upon thousands of dollars with, with psychiatrists, counseling. The reason that you are depressed is because you're thinking depressing thoughts. If I thought the same thoughts that you were thinking, I would be depressed too. That's pretty deep, isn't it? It's really not. We're looking for something deep and mysterious and some hidden mystery that we know what we need to do. The mindset on the flesh brings nothing but death. The mindset on the spirit brings nothing but life and peace. And I don't, I'm not preaching today, so I can't get into what that life is. But when you begin to understand what that life is, it's amazing, guys. And so I just want to encourage you. We had a great time of worship. This isn't a, any level of a rebuke. This is an encouragement to say that if we can keep our mindset on him, man, he keeps those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed upon him. Come on, man. I got to stop. I can't preach today. It's just, it's so actually simple. One of my favorite preachers of all time says it, says it this way. It's so easy. You have to have someone help you misunderstand it. It's really true. When I got in the Bible and started reading, I started going, this can't be right. I mean, I was told I had to do this and this and this and this and this. And then I started reading my Bible and I saw Jesus did it. All I have to do is believe in him, rest, and then check this out. This isn't taught very often. Learn how to hear the voice of the Spirit and obey him when he speaks. Get in the word and then learn how to hear his voice. And when God says go, go. When God says no, no. When God says stay, stay. When God says run, run. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to get a set of religious rules in place to take the place of relationship with God. The same one who will have a bumper sticker on their car that says it ain't religion, it's relationship, will have a set of rules. Our rule, we have, I won't go, and I'm not preaching, hallelujah, I'm done with this right here. Let's get excited about Jesus. Our rules. Yield our heart, right? Believe in him and obey. That's it. I mean, there's other stuff we can talk about. You know, we have, we have a new law. There's two new laws that we're under. I'm not under the law. I am. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I am under the law. I'm not under the law of sin and death. I'm under the law of life in Christ Jesus, who had set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in the flesh, weak as it was, God did. You can find that there in Romans. You can read it. Hallelujah. Amen. That's your mini message. Hallelujah. I preach today. Hallelujah. Let's not, let's not lie. I'm not going to deceive you. I preach today. Amen. It's just, it just happens, you know. Let's set our minds on him. We know it, right? We know it. We know it. Is this, how many of us know what I'm saying? This is one reason it's good not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves because we go out in the world and the world beats on us, right? And we come back in and your brother or sister goes, hey, remember, get your mind on Jesus, guys. Come on. We're like, that's right. 
And maybe you're the one coming in when somebody's beat up saying, hey, brother, get your mind on Jesus, you know? We, remember, we remind each other, rubbing elbows and going, he's good, he's good. It's amazing, guys. It's awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, I'm even moving over here. It's official. We have a different kind of service going on today. So if you're a visitor, you know all the formalities. Welcome to Lyric House, where we love to love Jesus. I don't know what they what their tagline is. Jason and Tiffany are the pastors over here. A house for him, praise God. Welcome to Lyric House, a house for him. But you are welcome too. He rolled out the welcome mat. You know, I'm just being silly. Um, no, we love you guys, and, and I'm, I'm here uh, a lot with these, with these turkeys, but Jason and Tiffany are, um, there are, they're, they're ours, amen? They're our disciples, they're, they're our family, they're our friends, and uh, so today we're here as an, as an awesome thing, we're doing an ordination service today, so if you uh, were visiting today, I'm staring at you, Russ, how you doing, buddy? No. <laughs> Uh, then, then you came on a great day because we're going to lay hands on them. We're going to ordain them into the gospel ministry. And, uh, and then we're just going to let them share their hearts. And I think they're going to share their hearts and their visions and what God's speaking to them about what they want to see God do in the church. And then, and then we're going to eat cake and go. Amen. <laughs> so that's it. If you're a planner, there you go. You got it. You got it all ready to roll. Amen. I'm just feeling excited and silly today. You know what? I did something completely different. I printed out the scriptures I want to read. No, no, well, yeah, that's true. Don't rat on me, my wife. I did this because what happens is when I open up my Bible, I start reading one verse, and I know i got to go to another verse, but then the next verse is really good, and the next thing you know, I'm supposed to be talking about ordination, and we'll be talking about, like, the second coming of Jesus or something. I mean, who knows? You know, I'll just, we'll be over there somewhere. So I'm excited. Is anybody excited? I'm excited, man. God is, he's alive. He's moving. And, and I'm excited. I am, I am excited. And this is a part of the ordination. I'm excited to get to be, to have the privilege to be able to set Jason and Tiffany in ministry. Amen. And, and you go, who gives you the right? Well, we're going to read some scriptures. Hallelujah. We're going to figure out who gives the right. Praise God. I'm not taking authority on myself. God has given authority and, and he has called us. And it says after much prayer and fasting that the apostles went around in every place in every city where they were raising up leaders and planting churches. And after prayer and fasting, they, they laid hands on them and they imparted gifts in the, of the spirit to them and set them into place as leaderships and overseers, elders, and, and uh, I don't want to mess up. Uh, bishops, elders, and overseers are the terminology you're going to find. And they set them in place, laying their hands upon on them and then they went away and let them do what God called them to do. I'm not going away, but I'm letting them do what God called them to do. And they can attest to that because I, I pretty much have told them I am their pastor, but I told them, I'm just going to share it, whatever. I've told them, I said, I, in a good way, so this could sound bad, but in a good way, I don't care what you do, right? I don't care if you have youth group, if you don't have youth group. I don't care if you divide your youth group up into three age groups. I don't care if you have a singles group or don't have a singles group. I don't care if you want to go out there and evangelize in the park or you want to evangelize at the boat or what. I don't care how you, what you want to do. I care about your passion. I care about your passion for the word of God. I care about the fire and in your heart for his spirit. I care about your pursuit in the word and the spirit of God. And anywhere that's where I'm here is to, to keep prodding and pushing your heart towards. This is what I've told him over and over again. Your heart towards getting into the word and pursuing the spirit. How God speaks to you in this body, in this place, in Holden, Missouri. How that unfolds is not my business that's between you and God. My business this is your spiritual health, and I will watch, and I will pray, and I will come when I see you moving any direction and say, uh-uh, here's the line, and I know them, and they'll say, yep, you're right, right back on the line, and I expect the same from them as their leader. If I get off the line, I expect them to come to say, we love you respectfully, here's the line, and I'll say, you're right, I repent and get back on the line. It's, it's a reciprocating relationship. We submit one to another, and we work together. It's supposed to be this way, guys. It's not supposed to be lorded over where I'm now your apostle and I've set you in and now I take over everything and you give me money and I make all the decisions. That is man getting into God's business. 
That's not what we're doing here. It's just, I'm being clear about it. Because if we're not clear, I've, dis I've discovered that people come with preconceived notions and then they think we're doing the same crazy stuff. So we've, we've all in our hearts committed to like, we gotta be clear about stuff because the devil works in the shadows. And so, yes, I'm their apostle. And yes, I am an apostle. And whether you agree with that, it's okay. You take it up with Jesus because I'm solid in that call. Amen. And, and I'm going to tell them what, I'm going to tell them this. And this is contrary to what you hear also. And if you don't agree with it, praise the Lord, love me anyways. You don't have to agree and believe with everything I say. I'm just sharing what I believe and why we're doing what we're doing. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It doesn't mean you have to think I'm right. But you can disagree and still go, hey, I kind of like that guy right? You could disagree with Jason Tiffany and go, I still love him. This lie that we're going to agree on everything is crazy, man. If I, okay, I, I wasn't on social media and I know this is old. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't have social media, but apparently there was a dress that came out several years ago and there was a big dispute on what color this dress was. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The younger people are all like, yep. See, the younger people are all like, yep. And I don't know, every person that saw this dress saw it a different color. And there was this huge debate on, on this, what color is this dress? And one person saw it blue, one person saw it green, or whatever all this was. And I think the dress was actually pink anyways. But um, my point in this is to say, if I was to show you a picture of something and went around and asked each person privately what you see, we would all see something different. Some might see the same, but many people in here would see something different and describe different aspects. How ridiculous are we to believe that God takes and creates unique individuals and then wants to take and mold us into each other the exact same thing? This is crazy. This is why we have unique giftings, anointings, and callings. Because I might see it one way. Like I see like, oh, I look, look, John 3.16. It says, for God so loved right? And then somebody else looks at that verse and says, and they see, oh, they shall not perish. You know, the world, whatever. I don't know. I picked a bad verse, but it's a good verse, but try to break it up into different examples. You know, the point is when I see one verse, I'll approach it this way because of my calling and my gifting and the way I see stuff. I'll go, this, this verse is this. You, JD will come along and he'll see it this way. It doesn't mean it's wrong at all. It's the same word, the same verse, the same thing, but because of who he is and his gifting, he goes, it's this way. Jason comes along and he looks at it and he goes, oh, you guys, that's all good stuff, but it's really this way. You see what I'm saying? Randy comes up here and goes, I love all of you and I've gotten good things out of everything you've all said, because that sounds like he'd say that, and I've received something, but I just got to share, it's actually this way. And I'm not talking about directions that we're traveling. We're all traveling towards God. I'm talking about revelations from his word. He gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We all have different giftings and anointings, and we see the word differently. Why? Because, because an evangelist is going to look any verse in the Bible and talk about crusades and tell everybody in the world, right? And, and it doesn't make that verse wrong. It's amazing. But if you don't see it that way, you can feel sometimes like you're missing out or you're not understanding or something's wrong because I don't really see see it that way. But you may have a pastor's heart. And when you see the same verse, you're like, yeah, I think reaching people is great. Cause come on, we all have to say that, right? <laughs> Am I right? We all do believe reaching people is great, but when it comes to, okay, if you think, and I'm not doing this, if you think reaching people is great, then go out there and witness to this guy right now on the street. And we get scared, you know, I'm not putting pressure on us. I'm like, of course we think it's great, but we're not all called as evangelists. We're called to live a life in Christ, and everywhere we go, be ready to give an answer and be obedient to the Spirit. But not every one of us is called to go to Africa and run crusades, guys. It just is. And this is about ordination, I promise. He puts unique giftings and callings in each one. Why? Check this out. Let's read the verse. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1 through 16. And actually, I'm skipping three verses in the middle. I am skipping three verses in the middle. You can read them yourself. They're not, I'm not hiding them. They just don't pertain to what I'm trying to talk about. So I don't want to get myself in the weeds. This is why I printed it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Everybody ready? 
All right. And it doesn't matter what translation you have. They should all be very close, right? Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And I'm talking to every person here, but Jason and Tiffany, I'm pointing this at you. And this applies to everyone 100%, guys. But this is an ordination service, so I'm just, I'm just, give me some rain, if you will. It's for all of us, but I'm, I'm pointing this at you. I heard him. And during worship, God gave him this scripture. He was reading it. Walk in a manner worthy of the call with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just also as you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I'm going to stop right there. Did you hear this? But to each one of us, everybody say each one. So that means me. Everybody say, that means me, not you. Now, now JD's got me messed up. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> that means all of us. There we go. Thank you, Jason. I just want to point this. To each one, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And I'm, I'm not going to preach. I'm, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm just going to do what I do. Amen. I want to share this part. Every single person, I want to make this clear. Not every person is called as an elder. Not every person is called as a bishop or an overseer. It means the same word. It's not three different offices, same thing. I'm just trying to cover what your Bible says. It's, and we're going to read it in a minute. He gave some as this and some as this. It doesn't mean you are less than or below or, or you're not a, a, a measuring up to something. It means God gives these gifts. But what he says before this is he gives to everyone, to each one, grace has been given to you. And it's about gifts according to the measure of Christ. Did you hear that? According to Christ's measure, according to the measure of Christ. You haven't been given a gift according to your measure. You haven't been given a gift according to your skill, according to your abilities. You've been given grace and a gift according to the measure of Christ. This should encourage you because it doesn't matter if you're fivefold, if you're like apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, or teachers. I'll, I'll, we'll get to why you actually might not want to be that in all reality. I'm serious, guys. If you want to be where you are called to be, because that is where you find the fullness of grace. That is where you find the joy, the peace, the life. That's where you find this stuff, where you're called, who you are. Amen. And I got good news for you. We've had this wrong for so long that we don't understand the work of the ministry happens outside of the church. You go, well, I want to see signs and wonders and miracles. Then you better hope that you're not called to the fivefold. I'm not saying you won't see it, but the fivefold giftings are there to build up and equip the saints to go out and do the work of the ministry and out there going into your workplaces, into the world, into your families, your friends out there seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. While you'll find some fivefold people going, I want to go out there too. They're having all the fun over there. And in a right way, they don't come into control. They just lead and guide and let the Spirit control and the spirit point and you guide we all have giftings and I'm just I don't know why I just want to uppercut boom this lie that the ministry happens through the fivefold people in the church we are the church if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are the church, my brother. You are a living stone, and you've been fitted together by, by the God, the puzzle master. He has put you exactly where you need to be, and he's put in you everything you need to have. And we need to put our hearts and our minds on him and begin to be obedient to the Spirit because you are standing right in the middle of your ministry. What are you waiting on? I can show you scripturally you're not waiting on God. He's done it. 
I'm just, I've, I have to bring this out because I've been at ordination services and I've been at services where they lay hands on leaders. And I've been at conferences where they spend half the time praying for leaders. And I get angry. I'm like, leaders, get your stuff together, man. You're at a conference with 800 people and people are hurting and broken and demon possessed and all kinds of stuff going on. The leaders are all up here, bless me, meeting on the platform. That's ridiculousness, guys. You should get your stuff in order, right? So you can come out and lead in what? The spirit so that people who need free can get free. Amen. And, but today is a service about laying hands on leaders. So don't go, he said this and then he did that. Today is about that. It's the first time you've seen it happen. Today's about that. I'm just showing, I'm sharing some hard things. We've got it twisted wrong, but because it's twisted wrong doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't make it right. There is something called the fivefold. We're about to read it. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That's what we call the fivefold ministry. And he, he gives those gifts to people for the equipping of the saints. We're going to read it. Amen. You have a gifting. And this is what got me on this path. I'm not going to call out what I see your gifting is. I'm not going to call out what I see your gifting is. I'm a very firm believer in letting people discover who they are. And I'm just going to tell you something. When I went to Bible college, and I went to a great Bible school, I think I went to the best Bible school you can possibly go to. I really do. I went to an amazing Bible school. But in that Bible school, not the president, but other members there that were staff members, put a tremendous amount of pressure on all of us to know our calling. And they were like, if you graduate, they'd literally say, if you graduate and don't know your calling, you've wasted these years. There was a tremendous amount of pressure. And I remember friends who would just sit there crying because they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. And, and back then I just said, this is the dumbest thing I ever heard. It's stupid. This is my opinion. You agree, don't agree. This is ridiculous. I said, I don't have a clue. All I know is I'm called. God spoke to me and said, I'm calling you into the ministry. And I said, no. I'm just being honest with you. I said, no. I don't want to do it. I'm just, whatever. This is what I said. Believe it, don't believe it. It is. I said, no, I don't want to do it. And he was like, I've called you. It's who you are. I said, but I don't want to be like all these men that I see. I gave up on church when I was a teenager because there was so much fake. There was so much fake, and I believed in a real God. And I had encounters with a real God. My friend, Pastor Mike and Audra Hall are here with us today. And they got to witness some of those encounters that I had at youth camps. I had real encounters with God. But I came to church, and I, and I didn't see the same in the leaders. And I quit. I didn't want to go to church. And, and this isn't about me, I promise. Just go with me. I told God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be like these men that I see. And God told me, he said, I don't want you to be like them either. And he said, I don't want them to be like they are. I didn't call them to this. They called themselves. I want you to follow me and be obedient. And I said, I can do that. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And then it, with it, like two weeks later, he says, I want you to go to Bible school. I'm like, what? I've got a baby, like a little kid, and my wife is pregnant. Uh, we're broke, you know. I mean, you know how it goes. Like, you, you know, I make eight, seven fifty dollars, seven dollars and fifty cents an hour, and roll it in the money, right? And I'm like, I got a family, and he, and he's like, I want you to go to Colorado. And I'm like, Colorado? <laughs> I laugh at myself now because it's such small thinking. When God calls us, sometimes we have such little thinking because to us it seems big, but it's because I didn't understand how awesome God is. And for me, Colorado was impossible because it was just like, I just, it's impossible, you know? And praise the Lord, with God, all things are possible. And so I'm like, God, if you make the way, I'll do it. 
I don't know how, but I'll do it. So we go to church that next Sunday. And I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I'm just going to say somebody walked up and said, hey, we've been praying about you, and we have a house out in Woodland Park, Colorado, and we want to give you that house if you want to go to Bible school out there. And I said, I don't even know where Woodland Park, Colorado is. That means nothing to me. And it ended up being 18 miles from the school that God told me to go to. He made the way. He made provision. He did everything. He opened the door. I went to Bible school. I left that Bible school and did not know who I was called to be. It took me... 14 years of quote-unquote ministry before I actually knew who I was. And I'm not talking about I knew I was a believer. I knew I was a disciple. I knew I, I followed Jesus, but as far as who I was, fivefold. And I went and I had, I didn't go, but I had many men, big name people, prophets and apostles and you name it, come up and call me out and you're this gifting. You're, you're an evangelist and blah, blah, blah. And then the pastor at the church you go to wants you to try to be their evangelist now. And then the next guy shows up. You're a prophet. And you're called to the nations and be a prophet and all this stuff, you know? everybody. And then one guy called and said, you're a teacher. I'm like, that ain't God because you ain't even heard me preach, man. It's by the grace of God anything comes out of this stuff. And, And my point is the popular Christian perspective for leaders is that you're supposed to know your calling. And if you don't know if you're a pastor or an evangelist or an apostle or a teacher or a prophet, then there's something lacking in that. And there's a lot of pressure for you to identify yourself. Identify yourself as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we are dating you today into the gospel of the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ, because you will grow and you will change. And what you think you are today, you won't think you are tomorrow. We grow guys. We mature. And this, I'm saying this because I, I feel like everyone needs to know there's pressure putting on everybody. You need to know your calling, know your place, know your call. Know, and there's all this pressure on believers for it. No, you need to know who's called you. You need to know your place. That's right, with him, amen. Seeking him, following him, and being obedient. Because I will promise you, if God has called you to do anything in your life, there will be plenty of people. There will be friends, family members, and lots of people around you who will take great joy in telling you how God didn't call you to that. It's the truth, guys. That's why you got to know who you are and who you serve and be confident. And that's why I said, when I'm an apostle, when God first revealed that to me, it took me two years to be able to say, I'm an apostle. Not because of anything other than to me, it was like, I could have said I was anybody else, no problem. But for me to say I'm an apostle, that was a lot, and it may not be anything for you, but for me, it took two years after revealed it of prayer and seeking until finally one day he said, are you going to believe me or not? And I said, I'm sorry. And then I got up and I said, I'm an apostle. And we were pastoring at the time, and we lost six families that day. Who do you think you are? How dare you? That kind of thing. And I just said, God is good. And then you know what? Sometimes you grow by pruning. And sometimes I think the plant goes, oh, that felt good. I'm just saying some of the families that went needed to go because they weren't bad people. They didn't like me. And how can two go the same unless they're in agreement, right? They weren't bad people. They didn't like me. And I'm okay with that. My job isn't for everyone to like me. Not everybody goes with us, guys. You want them to, but they don't. And that's why we set our eyes on him. We set our hearts on him and we move forward in obedience because he'll, he'll make it right. He, he brings it in. He brings them out. He, he heals it all up. And I hope that helps you guys. And I hope it helps everyone, honestly, because this, I know I'm not crazy because I've sat in church before and I've had tremendous pressure put on me to know who I am. And I want to tell you, you need to be free from that. You don't have to know how. Let me ask you this. Do you know how someone gets healed? Don't be big, yeah, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. I mean, do you know how it actually works? No, by faith. He said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. What? By faith, we lay hands on the sick and they recover. You don't need to know everything about how you're called to walk in your calling. All you need to know is he, who called you and then be obedient to his leading. Amen? Amen. Enough of that. We'll move on from there. Here we go. 
But to each one, verse 7, was grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captivities and gave gifts to men. Verse 11. And there you see where I skipped. Verse 11. And he gave some. Everybody say some. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Man, I encourage you, if you never have, really pray, read, study, and look at this. Because I'm not going to break it down and preach it today. I'm just not. I don't have time. But look at this, man. The purpose of the fivefold is not to be... I'll just say it this way. We have in our churches many times a triangle, right? Where the leadership is at the peak. And what God has done in his kingdom is he's turned that triangle upside down where the peak is at the bottom. And so like the leadership, a few people are at the bottom. It doesn't mean they're all on our shoulders. No, that's stupid stuff. It's on Christ. But he puts a few people as leaders. Why? To train and teach and help prepare the masses. And then as the group gets bigger, people are training and teaching each other, right? And there's just kind of some oversight going and helping. And we all begin to train and teach each other and, and grow in this thing. But the triangle is upside down and the leader's at the bottom. So the leader isn't the peak, it's the bottom. Their job is to hold up and push and promote and, and bless all those above them. It really is, guys. And if you read that, you'll see that in here. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the true knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Wow! says we can attain to the measure and stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. Whew, that's exciting. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into Christ, who is the head, even Christ Jesus our Lord, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper work of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Powerful, guys. And I've already kind of explained how this works. I went through it and explained it before we read it. That is the scripture that's talking about every joint supplying it. You can also find this in Romans. There's other places it talks about this. It's, it's, it, is, it is not just one place, guys. This is his heart for, for ministry. Now, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to read here. So uh, go with me over to Titus. That's a less read book. If you're like, where's that? Just find the T's. All the T's are together. That always helped me. Anywhere time looking for a T. If you find one T, you're close to Titus. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having, uh, having faithful children not accused of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, nor addicted to wine, but violent. No, I'm sorry, not violent. <laughs> not violent. Not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Second Timothy chapter 3. Some of you guys who know where these are thought I was going there first, probably. I threw a curveball for you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Amen. We there? Amen. It says, this is a faithful statement. If a man desires the position of an overseer, he desires a good work. An overseer then, Jason, Tiffany, must be blameless. The husband of one wife, the wife of one husband. It works both ways. You're not off the hook. You're like, oh, it just said the husband. 
First Timothy. What did I say? Second Timothy? I'm sorry, guys. I'll wait a second. First Timothy chapter three. <laughs> you know what? I looked down. I'm getting ready to go to Second Timothy, and that's what I looked at. First Timothy chapter three. I'm at verse two. An overseer then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Pause right there. I'm going to say this because you may have encountered it. I don't know. It doesn't mean if their kids do something crazy that they're disqualified from ministry. It means how do they comport themselves in their home? How are they training their children? How? Another one, it says to keep them, their kids, their household in order with all dignity. How many have kids? How many know when they grow up, they make their own decisions? I have seen multiple pastors be raked over the coals because they have their 17, 18, 22-year-old child go do something crazy, and then religious people in the church want to, basically, they want to fry them, you know? They want to they they roast them at the stake, really, because they'll use this verse right here to condemn them. What business do you have? And usually the ones pointing at that have the biggest problems a lot of times. You know, the Bible says, don't try to remove the speck out of your neighbor's eye until you remove the log out of your own eye. And then once you've removed the log, then you can see clearly to help your neighbor with that little piece of dust. (laughs) Right? I just want to bring that up. Now, if they are screaming at their kids and smacking them and throw them in the corner and they're abusing their children, they're disqualified from leading the house of God. Why? Because they're going to scream at you as their people, as their flock. Guess what, guys? How they comport themselves in their home is how they will comport themselves among the believers. This is why this is here. And the importance of this has been lost because we all know about the stereotypes about pastor's kids, right? Pastor's kid giggling over here. (sighs) You are called to serve the Lord your God first. You are called to be a husband to your wife and a wife to your husband second. You are called to be mother and father to your children third. You are called to obey God in the ministry, fourth. And then you are called for anything else you want to put under that, below it. That's the order. You might go, well, work comes before you do what you do. They're called as overseers, and I'm telling you, that takes precedence. But you know what's before that? They're kids. And you know what's before that? They're husband and wife. And you know what's before that? They're God. Too many ministers have forsaken their wife or their husband or their children for the ministry, and they use the verse that says, if you don't walk away from mothers or brothers or sisters or cousins or aunts or uncles for my name's sake, then you're not worthy, right? We know that verse, but that is not him. That is not an excuse for us to be bad husbands, wives, parents, because I'm seeking the gospel. That is a, that is a misuse of scripture. And I'm, I'm putting it on you guys because it's okay because I know you do it. But I'm telling you, according to this is what it means about in your, in your own house. And it would help some of us to understand, guys, this is important because it's true, it's true, it's true. If they're abusive and domineering at home, they will be abusive and domineering in the church. This wasn't to say your kid made a mistake, you're disqualified. It's to say, look at their behavior and how they interact. And if they can't keep their house in order with love and dignity and peacefulness and reverence, everything we've already read, these qualifications go to the home first. If these qualifications aren't in the house, then they're not able to be ministers of the body. We look at these qualifications as, oh, if they're in the body, this is where they need to be. They better be there in the house first. Amen. 
Amen. It's serious, but it's good. I paused right there. So, verse 6. Not a novice. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. All right, Jason and Tiffany, I want to have you guys come up here. Just, it's, uh, just for the sake of this, just stand up here on the thing. If anybody wants to turn with me. I'm now going to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 7, then I'm going to go to verse 22 and 26. Go up so everybody can see you. They want to see you. That's why. We'll get down when we pray. We just want, I just want people to see you guys. I wrote even a, like a head. I'm going to give you a copy of these notes so you have all these scriptures. So you can have them and look at them and study them and let the Lord speak to you on them. I wrote biblical biblical charge to bishops, elders, and overseers. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and arrogant disputes, knowing that they will generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all able to teach, patient, and humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken, taken captive by his will. I'll read verse 2 and 3 again. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All right, you guys can step down if you want. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Mike and Nadra to come up. Brother Don, would you come up? We're going to lay hands on these guys here in a second and pray over them. Pastor Mike and Audra are awesome. And they, they pastor Church in Independence. Um, they, uh, we, we go back a long time, many, many, many moons back when we were headbanging. You kept the mullet. I cut mine off. He stayed cool. <laughs> um, Pastor Mike, I call him Pastor Mike, has a true pastoral gift. Like a legit pastoral gift. And I will say this, there's many men who are called pastor, very few of them actually have the gift of pastor. Doesn't mean they're bad men, just they're out of place. Just because someone's out of place and things mess up doesn't mean they're bad guys. We don't want to, you know, we need to worry about ourselves. But I'm telling you, this is a man in the place God has called him. He is a pastor. And I know I already said, I don't like to tell people things like that, but he already knows. And I, I really believe Audra, she is a prophetic teacher. She, her gifting is prophetic teaching. And, uh, which I think is cool because it's okay I say that because she knows who she is. Um, but we've never talked about it. So, you know, it's just me hearing from the Holy Spirit knowing what your gifting is. And, uh, and they're powerful. They're a powerful couple for the kingdom. And so we've asked him to come lay hands on you guys because I believe part of ordination is not just a ceremony. The ceremony is whatever. If it was about the ceremony, I wouldn't be in charge because I'm not that guy. There's impartation. 
There's anointing. There's a spiritual aspect that happens here. And you've been doing it, guys. You've been working for over a year. You've been more than that, but you've been for a year, had your, your hand to the plow, and you've been plowing and working and pushing, and you've shown yourself faithful. The Bible teaches about let them first prove that they are faithful. Then let them be set in place. I'm not mean or sadistic, but there's a time of proving and there's a time of, are you going to stick to the call? Are you going to stay to the plow or are you going to let go? And it can happen at any time, but there's a time of testing. And I know I've been praying for a while and God was like, it's their time. And I'm like, praise the Lord. This is amazing. Brother Don over here, he is, uh, I, I think he's like an evangelist. I see him as evangelist. And uh, he doesn't, but I see him as evangelist, and he has a pastor's heart, too, for, for the community of people. But he has a heart to reach people. What beats in his heart is to reach people for the gospel. He wants people to come together and know who Jesus is. And for those of you who don't know, this man, for over 50 years, he's 70, but for over 50 years, has been contending for Holden, Missouri. He has seen so many pastors come and go out of the city. He just told me this last week, he just lost five within the last two weeks. This little community has lost five pastors in the last two weeks. There's no accident, guys. Look, this date isn't arbitrary. God spoke this a while back. We planned this months ago. And we knew, I knew when this was coming. I've known for six months what the date was. Little did we know the week that they're being set in and officially ordained is the week five pastors hit the road in this place, right? God has a plan. He's doing something. It doesn't mean all these people are going to come here. That's not our goal. What I'm saying is God has been working to set in place something that when there's a lack, he brings sufficiency. It's amazing. I didn't know this. He shared it with me this morning. I'm like, oh, but it's amazing, guys, what God is doing in the timing of the Lord. It's awesome because there's a call. And my, and, and my brother here, Don, has had a heart for this community, for the leaders, and for the people of Holden for over 50 years. And I said, would you please honor us to come and, and lay hands on these guys and impart on them because you have been a, a warrior for God in this place. He's, he's the one in charge of, I know he doesn't want to hear all this, but he's the one in charge of getting all the pastors together. And for years and years and years and years, if God had not put this man here, the pastors would have just been fighting and bickering and never got together. And he has got them together again and again. And then you still have your work cut out, brother, because you get a group together and then they hit the, and they get a new group. So we'll pray for you too, brother. Amen. It's an honor. It's amazing. So we're just going to pray for you guys. I, I don't know. <laughs> we're going to pray for you guys, and I think we're just going to lay hands on you one at a time, and you guys know how it goes. If anything, whatever God speaks to you, just share whatever God speaks. Or doesn't have to speak. We're not trying to make something happen. But if there's if God speaks, you're, 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 it's open. And I have men's if anybody wants one. I'm offering them freely. If anybody, 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 anybody. Hey, this is this is practical training 101. And I do discipleship 101 classes. I tell you, hey, brush your teeth, comb your hair. You're going to present the gospel. I learned that from Andrew Walmack. You're going to present the gospel, brush your teeth, comb your hair, eat a Tic Tac, right? I use life, Lifesavers, but 